I am so sick of this quarantine. I know, dude, but you don't have to yell. But our leader wondered out loud if medical doctors could maybe study the effectiveness of injecting people with household disinfectants. This is the perfect time for yelling. Okay, okay, but there's good stuff out there too. For instance, it's spring. You know, green is returning to the land. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. I, I can calm down. Okay, okay, here we go. Hi, I'm Clint. And I'm Chad. And this is Schooled Ya. The podcast made by teachers for teachers. Brought to you by two middle-aged dads and hipster doofuses who talk across the country about the American education system. And we hope this little podcast can be a bright spot in your lives in these trying times. And that's why we really only have one topic for our discussion this week. Good news! I really hope that John Krasinski hasn't copyrighted that term yet. (laughs) Bracket. Laughs appreciatively at Clint's brilliant <laughs> observation about corporate celebrity culture. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> today, today, we're each going to share three things that are making us happy that you can participate in, too. For those of you who struggle with math, that's five things that make life worth living. No, actually, Clint, two times three is six. Six things, buddy. Even better! Let's get started. We will have links to all the stuff we talk about in the description. So, for my first one, I have always wanted to go to a prestigious university. Everybody who knows me knows this. I really care about prestige. I want everyone to know how brilliant I am and how wonderful I am. And this quarantine has given me the opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream of attending Harvard. What? Yeah, Harvard is offering 50-something free online courses that you can participate in. Uh, I'm going to take one about the life and times of William Shakespeare. I think it'll be really useful for me to learn more about uh, a writer that I have to teach about every single year and that I really enjoy learning about. It'll also kind of help me figure out how to make quality online learning activities because all of this is an online course, obviously. So it's a win-win, and I will get to put on my resume that I am a graduate and I went to Harvard. Right. You have to separate those in two different sentences. I am a college graduate. I attended Harvard. Uh, Harvard. (laughs) You won't be attending Harvard, obviously. (laughs) You can just put one extra D on your sweater. (laughs) People think it says Harvard. (laughs) The extra D represents the grade I got. So I do have some questions about this. Okay. Are these classes that actually like can be transcripted or are they more like, um, I want to say like community ed classes, but are, are they more along those types of lines where it's just like, it's a class you take for your own interest? It comes with a little certificate of completion <laughs> a little trophy yeah it gives me a little trophy it says hard to bird and <laughs> i can use it for my recertification points for for virginia i emailed my uh, assistant principal and said hey i'm thinking about taking this class will this work for my research points and she said i don't see why not so it's a it's a free way to get some recertification and also to have something new that you're doing so i'm, I'm pretty excited actually one other question do you have any idea how long kind of this offer is is in place for i am not sure sure how long the offer is open, but I know that some of the classes don't open until like May 15th. So for quite a while. All right. So two things when you're all done with this. Number one, you do need to get a nice like crimson colored sweater that says Harvard on it. And you also need to hang something in your classroom that some sort of certification that says that you took a class at Harvard. Yes. 
And uh, I think I'll get a Harvard pennant and hang it up somewhere. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm going to step a little bit away from Harvard, but we'll still stay on the East Coast a little bit. This is a podcast that I have discovered recently. If you are a Seinfeld fan, there is a podcast out there called Seincast. And essentially, it's two guys who have done one podcast episode per episode of Seinfeld. Oh, wow. Each episode focuses on in sequential order from season one, episode one, all the way to the end. And they break down the episode. Most podcast episodes are well over an hour. Um, there's definitely a lot of nerdery going on. But the fun thing about the show is not only do they talk about the scenes and they kind of break down some of the funny jokes, but they also have this tremendous background with how they did the sets for a lot of the scenes that are outside of either Jerry's apartment or the diner. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that the Seinfeld set was only two stages. And so anytime you see something that is not either the diner or Jerry's apartment, they have torn apart either Jerry's apartment or the diner to make that set. Oh, wow. And so they talk about that. They talk about some of the thrown out lines or the thrown out jokes or uh, some of the things that were not in the script that, you know, Kramer added. They also spent a lot of time talking about a lot of the Because if you, if you watch enough Seinfeld, you realize that there is a ton of people who played extras or, you know, romantic interests of one of the characters that are now fairly well-known actors. Uh, they, they break down a lot of the people that also had roles in the show, whether they be reoccurring or, or or just on that episode. It's really fun. I really enjoy it. Again, you have to be a, a Seinfeld fan. But one of the things that I have found is a lot of times when I'm cooking dinner, we have a small TV in our kitchen and I will put Seinfeld on while I'm cooking dinner. And then within the next couple of days, I will actually listen to the Seincast of the episode I just watched. And it's kind of fun to, to kind of connect those things. So anyway, that's my recommendation. If you're a Seinfeld fan, check out Seincast. That sounds awesome. You probably did recommend it to me, but I had forgotten. How do you feel about Conan O'Brien? Because you should listen to the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. Boy, you have only recommended that to me 25 times, so I'll check that out sometime. <laughs> Conan O'Brien also went to Harvard, by the way. Did he really? Like me. Yeah. <laughs> he and I are pals. <laughs> All right. What do you? What else do you have? I've been spending a lot of time filling my hours while I'm waiting for student emails to come in, watching YouTube, and uh, YouTube is interesting because it will recommend stuff that you might not actually have thought that you would be interested in, and then you click on it accidentally, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is my favorite new thing." So I found a channel called Donut Media. Donut does not have to do with cooking. Oh, boo. It has to do with the thing that you do with a fast car when you turn the wheels a certain way and, and skid your tires. And some people skid their pants. <laughs> it's a car channel, obviously, and it's it's a whole bunch of stuff about different kinds of sports cars and modifications that people put into them and all that kind of stuff. And I find that stuff academically interesting, but I'm not crazy enough to do any of it. But one of their little uh, subsections is called Money Pit. And it's about a guy goes out and he buys a $2,000 Mazda Miata and then walks you through all of the things that he's doing to improve the quality of this $2,000 car. And my dad would probably roll his eyes at this because I was never interested in learning about working on cars when he tried to teach me. But I'm kind of getting into it. I'm kind of thinking that this might be a thing that I might do. I don't know that I will get a Mazda Miata because a two-seater sports car is not really a practical choice in uh, my life right now with three kids. But there are a lot of fun little coupes out there that 
you can find for a couple of grand. And I'm thinking that I might go ahead and, and get one and, and start trying to work on things. I talked to my wife the other day and she said, hey, if this is a thing you want to do, you'll regret it for the rest of your life if you don't try it now. So uh, I've got the green light. No pun intended there. But uh, yeah, I recommend if you're at all interested in cars, check out Donut Media and then Money Pit is the one that I'm really interested in. That's awesome. I do not know much about cars, but I have had some some vehicles over the years that I have done some small repairs with or replaced you know, parts and things like that. And it is very rewarding to realize what you have done for, and in many cases, saved yourself lots and lots of money, realizing that whatever, whatever part you replaced or, or the work that you did was really not as difficult as you thought it was going to be. And that was all before YouTube, you know, anymore, like you can find some video to help you replace something if, if you need to. Somebody hit our car and broke off one of the rear view mirrors and to get it fixed at the dealership, it was going to be like $450. And I found aftermarket rear view mirrors on Amazon for like 50 bucks and was able to replace them myself by looking up a YouTube video. And it took me a half an hour and was super satisfying to look at it and be like, hey, I fixed it. And it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. All right. What's your second one? Yeah. So I'm going to go down the YouTube road as well. I don't, again, I don't remember where I found this. It was probably just recommended to me, but Bon Appetit, the the food magazine has a YouTube channel where um, their test kitchen chefs do kind of a variety of different shows that kind of have different focuses. For example, one I know one episode I watched recently was like 36 ways to make pizza. And they basically just show you all these different methods of making pizza. And some of them are things I've never even thought of before. But the, the one thing that I am just totally addicted to right now is one of the segments they do, they have, I think she's like a pastry chef. Her name's Claire. And she is basically challenged to recreate a variety of different kind of mass produced, mostly candies, but she does some other things that are like well-known candies and she has to try to recreate them from scratch. And so like recently I've watched, she's tried to remake Jelly Bellies, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Twizzlers. Uh, yesterday I just watched an episode where she made Oreos from scratch. And it's really cool because I've always been into like those shows, like how it's made, where you can kind of see like the factories and how they make things and stuff. And this kind of scratches that itch a little bit because she's obviously, there's a lot of science involved and she's obviously a very talented pastry chef. So she understands like how to make things crunchy and things like that. But having her, it's like she'll start by just evaluating the actual item. So she'll have a plate full of Reese's peanut butter cups and she'll cut it apart and she'll take a look at the peanut butter and taste it and try to decide like, what are some of these ingredients that are going in here? Um, and then she will try to recreate that same shape, same mold. I mean, she did one with Cadbury eggs. So she's trying to figure out how to actually like get the cream inside of the egg. Twizzlers, she's trying to figure out how to how to actually make these where it's, so they're hollow so you could use them as a straw. It, it's fascinating. And sometimes she makes them, the people in the test kitchen think they're better. Sometimes she's had a few fails that just never quite turned out. But what's, what's really interesting to me is that a lot of these foods that we kind of consider to be kind of junky, well-trained chefs can't quite put their finger on how to make them, even with the ingredients on the back and everything else. Like she does, like usually after she evaluates them and kind of has a game plan, she usually will try to find like a video online where they like show you how they're being made, you know, in a factory and stuff. That kind of gives her a little bit of an idea, but it's it's fun to watch. And and uh, I get pretty into them and watching her failures and her reattempts and and things like that. It's 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 been fun. So I've been totally into that right now. So go find the Bon Appetit channel on YouTube, and then you'll see 
see the different titles and it'll be like Claire tries to make Reese's peanut butter cups or something like that. And you'll enjoy it. It sounds a lot like one of my very favorite guilty pleasure TV shows, uh, Great British Bake Off, where they're given these recipes and they have to figure out how to make stuff without knowing like what it is a lot of the times. And uh, that sounds fun. So for my last one, one of my former colleagues, Michelle Gardner, who's an elementary school teacher in the Astoria School District and also a family friend, uh, asked me if I would record a video of me reading a Dr. Seuss book so that she could broadcast it to her students. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could probably do that. I've been doing videos for my classes. So I did it and posted it on YouTube and got a pretty good reaction from folks. It kind of scratched an itch for me of something that I've always kind of been interested in, which is doing audiobooks or maybe being a cartoon voice. So I decided to start my own YouTube series that I'm calling Storytime with Mr. Hill. That's awesome. So far I've read, uh, I read Yertle the Turtle. That was the first one I did that's uh, pretty low tech. It was so good. Oh, thank you. I sent you some pictures of my my youngest watching it and she was just enamored. It was great. <laughs> you did some she good looked voices. very intense. <laughs> She's an intense girl. And then the second one was Dr. DeSoto by William Stieg, uh, same guy that wrote Shrek. And I'm just going to dig out my kids' old favorite books and uh, read one once a week. So it's been, uh, it's kind of a fun activity and it's fun for me. And apparently it's bringing some people some joy. So if you're interested at all in checking that out, uh, I've been posting them on my Facebook page, but also there's a link in, in the description. And then there will be links to all of these things on our schooljapod.com website. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I feel like there's something kids want about someone reading something to them and actually getting to see the person reading it. You know, because like you could easily just show the pictures and read it. I know there's just a feeling of having somebody read something to you that uh, I know my my young kids really enjoy. And so the way you're doing it, where you're actually, you can see you, you can see the page next to your face, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and you're actually reading it to us uh, is really cool. So keep it up, man. That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's a bit of a learning experience on how to put it together, but uh, but it really has been kind of a kick in the pants of something something just to do, because I feel like I'm spending a lot of time not doing anything. And, and this is something now to do, which I like. One thing I have found during this is I, cause I'm making videos as well. And I don't want to say I was intimidated by, but I just never really got into like trying to edit video at all. And, you know, I just use iMovie on my phone and it's remarkably e easy to learn and really allows you to do quite a bit. And I know there's all kinds of other editing apps out there that are probably maybe a little bit more robust in terms of some of the things you can do, but it's, it's pretty amazing what you can do with just like iMovie, you know, in terms of production value. I'm doing all of my editing on, on iMovie as well, except for I'm doing it on my computer. My last one is, uh, uh, it's not technology-based at all. I guess this is a recommendation to do at home, but it's just something we've been doing at the Matson household. It kind of started out as probably the first week of school closure. We decided to, to do kind of a dress-up week kind of a spirit week here in the household where um, we picked five dress-up days throughout the week and, and the kids and even the parents dressed up and we kind of had fun with that. And we have just continued that and we're planning to continue it the rest of the way. So we are doing dress-up days every weekday at our house. Um, the way we are doing it is uh, we're kind of brainstorming different themes for each dress-up day. They, they go in a big bowl. Every evening, one of our kids, they take turns drawing what the next dress-up day is going to be and then we execute it the following day. It's been fun, but there's some really practical application to this as well that I guess I'm sharing this for any parents that are listening. Number one, it gets our kids 
excited to get up in the morning. I should note too, I have a 10-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a two-year-old. So this might not work if you have an 18, a 15, and a 13-year-old. Maybe it would, I don't know. It also gets our kids dressed in the morning. Uh, we found that when we aren't doing this, they're still in their pajamas at 11 o'clock. I don't know about you, but there's something about feeling like you're dressed for the day that kind of gets things moving a little bit. And it, it also just adds some excitement to what can somehow be a little bit of a redundant schedule with all of this uh school closure activity and not getting to leave and things like that. The kids spend the evening kind of deciding what they're going to wear. And, and of course, we're sending pictures to grandparents and things like that. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully we can come up with seven more weeks of dress up uh, five days a week. But uh, <laughs> if you're out there and if you're looking for some way to kind of mix things up and add a little excitement in your household, and if you definitely, if you have young kids, um, that would be a recommendation I'd give. Maybe you could uh, put together some of your past past stuff and, and maybe post a list for us. And then uh, we maybe people, if they're interested in participating, could also dress up and send us pictures and we could put them out there so people can kind of see the the joy of at-home spirit weeks. The best one we've had so far was dress like your grandparent day. The funniest part was our kids just by themselves put the plan together. They put their clothes together. So my daughter Daphne was dressed up like my mom and Griffin dressed up like Emily's dad and their perspective of what my mom wears. <laughs> she nailed it. It was great, but it's really funny. <laughs> well, that's it for us for this episode. It's a shorty this time. Please tell us about all the good stuff that you've discovered in your life. We need all the good news we can get. And we have an email address for you to send us any of that information. Please contact us at schoolgeopodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at C. Hill Astoria. You can also find me on Instagram at Chatterboxes and at my web store, chatterboxes.com. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. As always, big shout out to my wife, Nikki, for our wonderful theme song. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Or if that seems too hard, tell a friend to listen. Or you could submit something awesome and cute to John Krasinski's Some Good News Show and then quickly use your newfound fame to tell everyone about our show. Wait, why don't we do that? Because we're not really that awesome or cute. But our audience is. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you soon.